my guest today, Riddell, um, really wants to see the world become a better place. And particularly, he sees that coming through political discourse and the way we talk to each other. Um, his, his big value belief is that he wants to try and incentivize people to grow their perspectives because he believes that's the path. Um, if more people are having authentic conversations, growing their perspectives, that's the way to find a way out of the toxic political discourse that exists in our world today. So between his podcast and the work he does, um, that's what he's all about, to show people that you can use logic, reason, and understanding to work through some of these really complex, nuanced issues. This approach obviously resonates with me, right? I mean, the idea of not just being dogmatic and just locking onto a belief, but trying to actually understand the issues, use logic, use reason, use understanding, humility, etc. That's what I'm all about. Um, and I enjoy digging into some of today's political issues with him just to see how does this approach actually work. Let's make it real. It sounds nice in theory, but let's actually look at it. Let's actually go through this and look at it from the perspective of somebody on the left, somebody on the right. How would this work? But maybe, maybe even more so than that, as I always do, I enjoyed maybe even better getting to understand him as a person, his value system and why he finds this work so important. Um, and I'll also say Riddell is another in a long line of guests who has optimism that humanity can be better, that we can figure this thing out. Um, sadly, I find myself more pessimistic as time goes on. You know, I often say I like to play the cynic. I'm starting to realize after almost 300 episodes, maybe I am the cynic. Um, and, and maybe that's the problem. Maybe I'm the problem in that people like me and we need more people like Riddell. Um, but we spend a lot of time debating that, if we have any chance of figuring this thing out or if we really are just doomed. So really, really interesting conversation, um, really cool work that Riddell's doing, and I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. All right, Riddell, thanks for being on. Really appreciate you making the time. Really psyched to talk to you today. Um, really like the work that, that you're doing. Um, I like to jump right in, so I will do that so we can get to the conversation and ask you what's the value, what's the belief that's most important to you? Um, I mean, I have a lot of different values, um, but to kind of go in coherence to what the, my podcast is about and the, the message and the purpose behind what the podcast is trying to do, the most valuable thing at the moment is to truly incentivize people in terms of growing their perspective and having engaging conversations. Mm -hmm. The value of this is, you know, astronomical in my opinion, because as of right now, even though people think that they are meeting new people and getting new perspectives on social media, that's not truly what is going on. What truly is going on right now, which is inherent in terms of like human, you know, psyche, so to speak, when it comes to our tribalistic nature is that people are getting pushed into echo chambers and dismissing other points of views. So incentivizing people to get outside their comfort zone, incentivizing people to have these conversations with people that have different perspectives and to kind of more specifically with what we do here in, um, in terms of politics, this big thing between the left and the right as of right now and their dismissal of one each other and demonization of one each other is obviously extremely toxic. And it's not helpful for the country as whole. Like if somehow you can explain to me how this current political discourse and climate is going to better the society as a whole, then maybe I'll be okay with it. But we know it, that's not the case. So the the importance of having these conversations, the importance of compromise to find solutions, which is what this country was founded upon, and bipartisanship being much more thorough in coming up with these solutions so we start pushing things forward is what this podcast and what my personal values are that's awesome man that's awesome that aligns a lot with how i think too let me ask you though personally for you like why what what is it about like why is that some people could obviously guess and, and have some intuitive sense of why that would be but for you personally like why such a focus and dedication on this? Is it is it really just kind of like a virtuous moralistic thing where it's like, I want the country, I want the world to be better. I want to reduce suffering. Is there is it something you really enjoy, frankly? Like what's underneath it for you as to why it's such a big deal for you? Yeah, I, I never try to pretend that I'm like this moral character by any means. I don't believe I am 
to be honest. Um, I believe that the moral structure I created for myself is very thorough and beneficial to people like me and people around me. But overall, uh, when it comes down to it, this is not a moral thing necessarily. I just think this is just in the betterment of society as a whole. So this is more of a practical thing because I think the current direction of the country and current direction of political discourse is failing at the moment. Um, I do think there's another part of it, which is enjoyment, of course, because one thing I do like is critical thinking. I've always been a big critical thinker. I always like to think about things in a in a nature beyond what is and be and kind of expound upon the, the discussion that is currently going on. I've always had that mindset and I've always had the ability to think logically. So I enjoy that. Obviously, learning and gaining new knowledge and having these discussions are also very enjoyable. But overall, the nature of the purpose of the podcast, which is why my podcast is not simply a podcast to like, oh, yeah, I want to get rich and I want to get like a bunch of clout. That comes with the territory, of course, but the, the purpose is actually doing something. Like, mm-hmm. I, I want to make sure that we are changing people's perspectives on how they engage in conversation discourse, and we're also providing solutions and being advocates for those solutions to kind of push the country forward, as I said prior. Mm-hmm. The other thing, I think about this sometimes, because I, I very much agree. I think having discussions like this, critical thinking, being able to have discussions that aren't just partisan is, is the right thing, right? I, I think I personally believe that. But do you ever think about that, People on the left, the right, conservative, progressive, liberal, whatever, they actually think in their minds the same thing. They think what they're doing is pushing society, the country, everything in the right direction. They're trying to instill or push certain things they think are really critical and important. It's going to make everything better and is much needed. Right. And and you, I, whoever thinks that kind of this 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 view, which is to say, let's not be partisan about it, is the right thing to do, is just in the same category, right? You just have your opinion, you have your view of how we should do this and what is wrong with the country and what needs to be better. And, and I don't say that to say that you're wrong by any means, but like, how, if, if that's true, like, how do we account? Because then everybody thinks they're doing, you know, the good work. Everybody thinks they're trying to fix the problems and nobody actually hears the other people who are trying to do it. Do you ever think about that, that they actually have the same mindset and think of it the same way? No, I think that's exactly what it is. Obviously, people on the right and people on the left think that their way is the right way, that they're on the moral high ground, whether it's the right kind of attributing everything they're doing to some religious higher power or the left kind of contributing everything they're doing to a moralistic, humanistic, humanitarian mindset. Regardless, they both think what they're doing is in the betterment of society as a whole. The problem with this, of course, is when you have tunnel vision and you fall into those echo chambers to think that you are right and only you are right, what it will happen is that people, one, can easily manipulate you to certain directions and manipulate your agenda to certain directions, as we see time and time again, when you're only believing in one way. It creates that kind of group and mentality, which is very destructive, obviously, um, because it creates a certain way of belief. And once you manipulate that way of belief, you can create a lot of terrible things that happen in society. And two, you're no different from the other side. You are actually the it's two sides of the same coin. I've always make this uh, assessment when I'm talking to both sides that I understand your perspective because I had a recent podcast episode and the guy was a, um, he was a, he was a probably on the right I never announced it, but based on his views, he's probably on the right. And he was, you know, he wanted better immigration policies. And he's one of those people who, you know, blames the government in a lot of aspects in terms of how they're going about things. And one thing I pointed out to him is I may agree with some of the solutions because I always think that we should prioritize the nation over foreigners, um, not because I hate foreigners, but because our national interest should be priority. With that said, you can't outright think that the entire country is doing things based off innate selfish greed. You can point out contextual situations with the proper context of people doing things out of selfish greed. Potentially, uh, one thing he brought up is that the left wants to bring in more illegal immigrants, so they vote Democrat. The problem with that is that you can – that argument – is only adherent to your point of view. Because if I expound upon that and I use the same type of argument in terms of the left, 
you would dismiss it entirely. And the only difference will be that the they're the left and not the right. So again, this is the two sides of the same coin. And I pointed out to him that I can't blindly believe what you're saying. I think it's important to have your own type of thinking and own and own type of critical thinking. So with that said, the difference between me is that I'm willing to engage into the conversation regardless of side, regardless of political bias, regardless of anything. I'm willing to have the conversation to find a solution, not think that my solution is the best solution, but create a better solution through conversation and compromise. I'm willing to do those extra steps that a lot of the people on other sides are not able to are not willing to do because they don't want to lose the battle. They don't want to lose the battle of conversation. They don't want to lose the battle of debate. They don't want to lose the battle of politics. It's a game at the end of the day, and they don't want to lose it. Where I don't care about the game. I don't care about pride. I don't care about any of that. What I think should be the most important thing, especially when we have major issues going on in the country, is to find a solution that betters all of society, not just one side of society or a small minority of society. That's mm -hmm. not how anything should work. Yeah, it's almost like... um. We all, we, our minds can't help but like be somewhat dogmatic and, and, and become somewhat, you know, committed to a belief or an idea. And you're saying like, if, if that's inevitable, then be committed to the belief or the idea of like reason and logic and trying to figure out what actually makes the most sense. Like be, be dogmatic to that, not to any individual belief, be dogmatic to the concept of trying to find the best solution. I think as you get into the details of that, though, it, it gets interesting because and you started to say it, but like, I was going to ask you, like, what, what what is your guiding light then? Like, as you're looking at policy issues, you mentioned immigration. We could talk about any of the other ones. Like, so you're saying the way you try and assess the situation. So firstly, I think, which is a good thing, you're saying, like, I'm not just going to go into it and say, all right, here's the answer. Here's the solution. I'm going to actually look at all the information, try and make sense of it and try and get to an objective solution or outcome that I think is the best. So somebody could then say, well, OK, how do you define the best? Though? What's actually allowing you to assess and determine what the right decision is? And you're saying it's what's best for everybody in the, the most people in the country. Is that fair? That's kind of what you're using to determine what the right answer is, quote unquote, right answer. However you would define that. Um, Yes and no. So when you, when you make policies, obviously the, the incentive is to betterment the country as a whole, but I don't want to dismiss the idea of creating policies with the idea that certain minorities may be affected. Cause that's when obviously you get in problematic situations where certain people are discriminated against. I'm going to bring up obviously when it comes to like the minority, when it comes to black people, for example, or when it comes to, you know, trans people or gay people, obviously they're the minority, but when we're creating policy, we can't look at them and say, okay, we're not creating policies to help you out. It, it's definitely a give and take. There's a lot of nuance behind these issues, which it should be. It shouldn't be a blanket uh, problem and answer, it should be a very nuanced and complicated situation, but everybody thinks they have the right answer. But once you converse and you stay to your side and say, my answer is right, I'm just debating my point being right, then at that point, nothing is being solved because no side wants to budge and no side wants to compromise. Uh, appealing to logic and reasoning, I do value that. I think it's very important. But one thing I realized, um, especially since I'm not inherently an emotional person, is that emotions matter. Mm. One thing that you have to take into account is that people have a way of connecting to other people without logic and reasoning, which honestly can be good in certain circumstances. So again, it's very nuanced, and there we can definitely go into situation by situation how you approach that. But the most important aspect of these situations is talking to the other person, hearing their point of view, having your point of view, discussing, not necessarily debating. Debating is fun, but discussing, conversing. If you don't agree with something, please point that out, say your piece, and then come with a type of bipartisan solution and see how that goes. And to kind of touch upon my immigration, because I brought this up with one of my co-hosts, and I did bring it up with a guest, but he didn't really enter it fully. Um, but one thing I would say is one thing that you could say is bipartisan, which is a give and take, is the give is, okay, we're going to make the uh, the legal immigration process, we're going to make that looser so it's easier for immigrants to get in the country. And then the take would be, with that said, 
border uh, resources and border policies are need to be more strict. Hmm. So obviously you see which side's on the left, which side's on the right. You can see, okay, this probably is better in terms of making stricter policy. So we have less illegal immigrants, but also I think the value of immigration in terms of the purpose of what America was in terms of being that melting pot is still there and valuing the people who are leaving a struggle is still there by making the looser policies of legal immigration. So that's an example where you see where both sides are at. You come with a compromise. You may not fully agree, but overall, you think this is in the betterment of the national interest of the country as a whole. See, that's a good example, because I I was going to ask a question, but maybe I'll use that example to work through and, and see where we get to it on it. Because I think back to logic and reason, and I agree, emotion is part of that. So that has to be part of how we look at this thing. But everything you just said is very logical. And, and there's a lot of reason to it to me of that bipartisan approach, right? If, if you look at it in that way. I do think, though, like, just to just to play it out a little bit, I can imagine somebody on the right just to use that as an example saying, well, if you make the 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 rules um, less less stringent, but you but you uphold them more, it's you're just playing word games, right? Like what's actually at the heart of it? What's at the root of the issue for somebody on the right or the left and what they're talking about? And it starts to get almost philosophical. I, I've become a big fan of philosophy for this reason, because I think when you're looking at the specific issues, right, when you're looking at immigration and what you should do, at the end of the day, as you follow the thread long enough, it comes back to a question of like, it's why I do this show. Like, what's your value system? What's the meaning of life? Like, why are we actually here? Because, and this probably isn't at the bottom level, but to this point, somebody could say, well, the, the, the real issue is I don't want new people coming into this country. I don't think we have the capacity for it. I don't think it's fair. We already have people here enough that are struggling. So they might say like, oh, we need law and order and we need more stringent, you know, border protection or policies or whatever. And you're addressing that on one level. But my guess would be a lot of people would come back and say like, but it's still a problem because you're still letting more people in by being more stringent on like uh, less stringent on how people can get in it and making it easier for people to get in. So like if it inevitably comes down to this question of like, how do you view humanity? How do you view the meaning of life? Right. And and people don't like to go there because they think it's abstract. But I actually think it's at the root of all of this. Right. That's what's actually behind all these questions. Like, can you ever get to an answer that people are going to agree? Even yours, which sounds really reasonable and, and a compromise to me, I can still see people fighting and arguing about that and still taking issue with it. So, like, I, I guess my question becomes, like, where does the confidence come to think that we can actually find a middle ground if we don't all agree on the meaning of life at the end of the day? So that's a very good question. And I, I think there are a few important things to note. So obviously, you touching upon what you touch upon, what it came down to is that not, I'm going I'm to frame it like this. The conversation we had was about illegal immigration. So I always try to make sure I understood his point of view on immigration versus illegal immigration. The value of illegal immigration is very negative for the country as a whole, having people come in the country without being vetted properly. There's very good reason behind that. So- but he did point out that if it, they come through illegally, then I'll be fine with it. Mm. But what you're pointing out is once is a core thing that I wanted to make sure I understood his position on. What do you think about people just coming in the country? Mm. And the reason why that's important and the reason why these type of situations are important is that you can't be foolish enough to think that you'll be able to convince everybody and have everybody understand your point of view. I'm not foolish enough, but when it comes to politics, it is the, the game of politics is convincing a majority of the people. Mm -hmm. So that's the game of politics. And once you adhere to the principle that we want to have the country's best interests in mind, the politics game is convincing the people that legal immigrants are okay, mm -hmm. illegal immigrants aren't okay, so we'll make the process better for legal immigrants and the country as a whole. What you probably won't be able to convince a majority of people are if it was like on the side that you're talking about, is that I hate foreigners don't come in my country. What's that going to look like? You're racist. You're uh, ultra nationalist. You're just not a good person. So in that, in terms of the politics game, it's very easy to weed out those people. But you have to follow a line of questioning to make them say it right. Mm -hmm. You have to make them admit that this is who I really am and I'm clouding everything under false pretenses now the left they always believe every single person 
is that very, very negative person who hates all immigrants and who are racist and ultranationalists. That's the problem with them. They believe everybody is like that. And obviously that's not the case. That's why you have to converse with them and find out. And once they admit it, then you know who they are and you can move on accordingly because this conversation won't go down and it won't go anywhere. There's just certain conversations where you know it won't go anywhere. And those are the extremists on both sides. You just won't get anywhere in a conversation. So with that said, how would you be able to kind of hopefully fix them? I'm going to say <laughs> that is the importance of perspective and experience. The only reason or I think the majority of the reason why they think this way is because they're in a very, very niche position and they don't have the perspective and experience to understand that their mindset is damaging. A lot of these situations of people who become racist or people who become ultra black pilled on some certain ideology thinking like all, all cops are racist the reason why these situations happen is that they're in a small section community they're getting fed these thoughts consistently as they grow up and then they dive into an echo chamber where it's constantly being reinforced and repeated and they create and they uh have selection bias in terms of the information they gather and then their ideology gets reinforced what needs to happen obviously is they get out of that community, meet other people, realize that, oh, my mindset is ignorant and foolish. And that way, they once they once that happens, usually you see a perfect example. I don't remember his name, but it was like a black guy. And he went and had a conversation with the KKK leaders. And he was able to convince the KKK leaders after discussion, after growing their perspective and experience to leave the KKK and realize that what they're doing is a mistake. Right. Now, it is obviously a very hard thing, and I'm not expecting everybody to be able to do these things because, like I I don't think inherently people are logical enough and have the emotional maturity to do such things. But I do implore people at the end of the day to grow their uh, experience, grow their perspective, meet different people, meet uh, different cultures, and that's really, at the end of the day, that is truly how people gain a better value of life and people and really realize that their ideology is flawed. So mm. that's that's the core behind that specifically. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because I think I think you're right that 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 perspective is a huge piece of it. And I think the ability for people to get broader perspectives, to talk to different people, to live in different places is a huge part of the solution in this, right? To, to expand that perspective. And I think the example you gave, I can't remember the guy's name either, but I know exactly what you're talking about, of the guy who converted KKK members is a beautiful example of that. But as you said, right, like to do it at scale, you, you have some skepticism, right? That we have the 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 kind of the ability to think logically, the emotional intelligence and sophistication to do it. And it's interesting because as you're explaining like what the solution is with the broader perspective, you can imagine somebody if they didn't have any sense of the world today saying like, if there was only like an online tool, because we wanted to do this at scale, like if there was a platform where people could connect and meet people from all over the world and connect with them and understand those perspectives. And funnily enough, like you start to probably start to explain social media and be like, if we just had something like social media, but then social media goes to show us that even if we have the tools and the capabilities to try and implement what you're saying at scale, Human nature, the human psyche, whatever it is about us, still takes that solution and uses it towards the wrong end and causes more problems than more good, than more good. And it's like, that's what I keep coming back to of like, I have a very cynical view that says, I don't know that we can ever do this. I don't know. It's not that I disagree with anything you're saying in terms of the issues or the potential solutions, but I have very little confidence that we can actually at scale, even within a country, nevertheless, the world actually get it to work because it just seems like human nature is such that we are somewhat doomed or broken to not be able to do this and, and have it work effectively. So like for you personally, how, well, I guess you can respond to that. Like, are you as cynical as I am? If, if you are like, how invested in this are you to where like, what if you hit a point where you're like, you know what? I love doing this. I think it's super necessary, but it's just never going to work. Nobody's ever going to buy into this. Is that like a, a possible outcome that you consider? Yeah, I definitely considered it. Um, and the cynical nature is not something that I am dismissing by any means, because overall, like, especially like when I was younger, I was I had very little faith in humanity or as a as a whole. Right. Um, but with that said, 
that doesn't mean you shouldn't try at the end of the day, right? You shouldn't try to get the message out there and preach the message and get people to kind of continue the message so people really have a new um, frame of thinking as they approach these types of discussions. Um, when it comes to social media, I, I definitely, social media is the, the organization of what it is right now is not good and is not efficient enough to kind of create the the situations that I'm talking about because it can force people into echo chambers because right. you friend and follow people. You have a certain algorithm where you're seeing very specific information that you want to see and you don't want to see other information. You can mute and block people. It's not a genuine human interaction at the end of the day. And I think things that, uh you know, Twitter as of right now, if Elon Musk eventually creates the platform so it's owned by the people and, and makes it a perfect public square, you shouldn't have situations where you can just like put yourself in an echo chamber and not communicate with the rest of the world. That's not productive. And that just creates the opposite effect at the end of the day. So social media still needs a lot of work on how they would go about that. I would very, I'd be also very curious on uh, how they kind of do things when it comes to virtual reality, because I think it's a different step. But if they have the same issues as social media, then it would not uh, do anything uh, in the long run. Yeah. So basically how I see it is the best way to kind of go about this is that one, there's like different potential solutions that I believe could be put in effect, but they would have, they're obviously going to be very difficult. So it's going to be a long process. The first thing I would say is that public education, especially for the youth, should incentivize more field trips. I know it's it's crazy. Field trips, how are field trips going to help people? <laughs> well, field trips, what they provide, obviously, it's a fun time to not be in class, right? But also, especially if these field trips are funded properly and you get the actually like explore places, there's a perfect opportunity for kids to interact with different kids. It's a perfect opportunity for kids to learn a different culture. It's the perfect opportunity for them to grow their perspective and grow their, their mindset. And those frequent occurrences, because I do think it should be relatively frequent, obviously not all the time because you only have so much resources, but that comes into my um, dismissal of the current public education system being extremely inefficient and not doing as much as it should be. But with that said, that's just one potential solution because it starts when you're a kid. That's when it starts. It starts when you're a kid. And you're getting fed certain things, whether it's from your parents or from your community. And once you start stepping outside of that, that's when you start growing in terms of your mindset and you start thinking a little bit more and realizing that, oh, yeah, there's there's a bigger world than where I am at currently. Um, a, a good per example of this was I watched a movie recently called uh, Freedom Riders. I believe that was the movie. And that was a very good movie. It, it it was a teacher and it was based on a true story. And they actually have an organization that's currently existing. And the teacher in the movie um, was a fresh teacher. She came to teach at a high school, I think ninth, 10th grade, maybe. And she's teaching these students. Now she was put in the class of, you know, troubled kids, kids who were and these in the school had a program where now it was like a, you know, suburban-ish school before and then they had a program bringing in a lot a lot of kids from the uh, poor communities so she her class was full of troubled kids that go through a lot of bad circumstances that go through gang life that all they see is violence and all they think is violence and that none of this matters the teacher took a conservative effort to obviously be very involved with their students but also take them out into field trips and the value of them just going to a holocaust museum change the mindset of these students dramatically as they learn that it's bigger than what I am currently. So people don't undervalue the the, the power of field trips because they could obviously grow your perspective, especially at a young age, which is very important. Mm -hmm. And another aspect that is more culturally and not necessarily a policy thing that you can implement is that parents have to be willing to incentivize their children to grow. So I, I had another podcast episode where we talked about the role of parents in society. And the three things that he mentioned that we already kind of agreed with is that you should incentivize your children to, you know, have critical thinking. So they're not automatically funneled into a certain way of thinking, have them experience life 
And even if you're poor, you can definitely, there's still things you can do for them to experience different cultures, they experience different perspectives. I mean, that's your role as a parent at the end of the day to grow your child. And the last thing is, well, he believes that he should, you know, have a certain humanitarian aspect to kind of care about people, which is also very important too. So the parent's role in growing their children should also be a very important aspect in growing their perspective and experience and critical thinking. So it obviously, when it comes down to it, it starts young and it's very possible to do. It's it, I don't think it's hard things to do. It's just people need to be willing to take that extra step to do these things. And when it, obviously when it comes tough is when they're older. And when they're older, it becomes much harder to convince someone to exit out a frame of thinking. Mm -hmm. And these people, these individuals uh, are, I don't really have a perfect solution on how to convince these people. The only thing I can say about these is where I implore to other people who listen to the podcast is that you as an individual who already have this type of thinking have to be willing to be understanding and being willing to converse with people. For me personally, one thing that I am considering on my podcast and I've grown into this mindset is I have to be willing to have people on my show and converse with people I don't like and I do not agree with in any step of the word. But by doing that, I'll be able to understand what their point of view is, converse, maybe potentially change their mind, but at the very least, they have a certain type of thinking and this is valuable Someone that doesn't agree with me was willing to listen to me. And that piece right there, that piece, if it hits their mind, is another valuable piece that could either flourish or at the very least, they can spread it to other people and that could flourish. So there's a lot of, there's definitely potential things you can do. Yeah. Oof, there's a lot to unpack there. So let me let me say, like, I, I often think of it, and this isn't a novel idea, but this kind of just supports what you're saying of, of the importance of the youth and doing it. So I have a son who's nine years old, and I, and I think about this all the time in that vein. Um, it's almost as if, like, humans are born with this, like, virus that's in us, right? And it's like, if you don't treat it at a young age, right, it gets too strong. And, and call that virus what you will, whether it's just the, the mental flaws of, of who we are in our minds, biases, blind spots, the ego, the subconscious, call it what you will. But like exactly as you're saying, it hits a point, like maybe it's high school, maybe it's whatever, a certain age where that virus starts to like harden and take form. And if you haven't treated it at a young age, you almost have no chance, right? And it's, if you treat that virus as a young age, now kids, it's not that you're telling them what to think. It's not that you're even necessarily telling them exactly how to think. You're just giving them a chance to think. You're giving them a chance, the tools to be able to say later in life, I'm going to do the things you've been saying throughout this conversation. I'm going to be critical thinking about this. I'm going to try and have an open perspective. I'm going to try and be objective. I'm going to try and understand and be empathetic to another person. But for whatever reason, we're born in such a way, our minds work in such a way where that's just not the natural path. Maybe society has caused it. I don't know. But what we've seen is that if you don't intervene at a young age, it's not it, majority of the time, it's not going to, it's not going to go well. Right. So I, I could buy that. And I do buy that. And I think there's a lot of value to that with the youth, but where it gets really tricky is so like take take the example you said right even the idea of um the field trips or or the 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 things parents should be doing there's some parents out there that would say right you have those list of three things that they should be doing for them number one on the list is keeping that child safe like that's my most important job as a parent is to keep that child alive and safe and protect them and get them through life and you have that mindset it's not the only one but that's just one example of one where it derails everything you're saying. They could still agree with the other points that you say, but if the most important thing is to keep them safe, well, now it's very hard to do everything you just said. Even, even the field trip piece of it, you can imagine people saying like, yeah, I, I, it's an interesting idea, but what about math and science scores? And like, we're losing to other countries around the world. And like, we need to be focused on that. And it's not to say any one of those is right or wrong. It just becomes this almost circular thing where what you're trying to bring forth and introduce and get people to buy into it's almost as if they have to they have to believe in it first to even accept the idea that they should do it for the youth. And if they don't, there's very unlikely they're going to accept it for the youth. So it's like, where does it start? How do you get the process started if, sadly, it's such a foreign thing for people these days, parents, teachers, educators, whatever. It's just not the natural course. And they it's not the natural course because they don't value it. And if they don't value it, they're not going to make it the natural course. So like, how do you break through that and actually get the things that I think are good that you're recommending in place? So 
That that's also very important that you mentioned safety. Um, we actually had a podcast episode recently where you were talked about the the values of freedom versus safety because mm. they are both things that pull on to each other. The more safety you may have, the more less freedom you may have. The more freedom you may have, the less safety you may have. So it's definitely a push and pull. But when it comes down to it, to kind of incentivize these people, you obviously can only do so much. And the the conversation and the pushing of messages is a important part as I converse with more people, as people I know converse with more people. So it has to be kind of like a chain reaction to the message that is being perpetuated here today and moving forward. And that's just how it's going to have to be as of right now. And the willingness to engage into the conversation with parents and framing how these conversations would happen is they would obviously ask questions. They would try to figure out, okay, when it comes to my safety of my child, I mean, that's important, but you also have to point out well, as they ask their questions is, well, the safety is important, but it doesn't dismiss the ideas that they can have a certain level of freedom, a certain level of critical thinking, a certain level of experience and perspective in addition to that. So I think a lot of parents can do this. It's just obviously they have to figure out how to do this. And I think it's not necessarily a thing where, like you said, they're not thinking about it because they're maybe valuing the safety more, but that's the point. They're not thinking about it. They need to be thinking about it. They need to incorporate that into their parenting and they need to figure out ways to do that. And that is why people should be spreading the message and spreading the idea to kind of help these parents do so. That's why when I had uh, Nate on my show, he read a book, he told about him and his son's relationship about how you should teach um, teach parent or how you should be as a parent or some potential lessons as a parent that can help you as you're uh, growing with your child. And I don't like when it comes down to it, when I see a solution that I wholeheartedly agree with from what I heard with Nate, that's a solution that I'll be more than willing to spread the message for, because I think there's a lot of valuable things you can do there. Now, there's a certain level of resources you have. And, and when we have a conversation with people who are obviously poor and who have less resources, that is a conversation in addition to the public education one where it doesn't necessarily become a conversation of, um, can I do this? And is this in the betterment of my child? It's the conversation of what is going on with the system at that moment? How do we make that system more efficient so we can start doing this? And when it comes to the public education system, I already said I have huge issues with it because I think it's super inefficient. Math, reading, all that, that is going down, not necessarily because these things are not being taught, but they're being taught very inefficiently and they're not incentivizing the interests of the kids that are in school because the lessons are being taught there. The kids just don't care. That's that's the point. So in the situation where you make them care, you have to be more hands on. You have to be more caring to the kids. You have to make them interested. And so I don't think having a field trip will take away from their studies if they already don't care about their studies. But having the field trips, also making the class more addictive to learning more practical skills, also making the class more be more hands off and more interactive are all ways to make the kids care. That's why the Freedom Riders movie is so good, because the, what she was doing, she was teaching the curriculum, but she was teaching her curriculum her way to appeal to the students. And that's just another aspect of public education. So I think that's more of a system thing. As mm -hmm. for parents who are in the poor communities, well, the, the stuff with like broken homes and single parents, households, that is a stuff that I have huge issue with. And you can attribute that to the system and how it's created, because some people complain welfare. Uh, some people complain about uh, systematic racism. And there may be certain factors in a lot of different areas. But I do think another part of it that you could definitely argue is that there are certain culture thing that parents need to be incentivized that when I'm creating a family or doing the action to create a family, that I should have the realization that once a family is created, that I can't just leave, I should stay there. So again, this is a more, it's a different issue, but if that if that issue can be resolved, the, the solution I was mentioning prior in terms of opening the perspective can happen. So at that point, those are two different things. And if I had to create a solution for those situations as they are now, what we would have to do is the community as a whole has to be buying in to the betterment of the community. 
And I think that, that community nature of like caring about the, the people here, making sure crime goes down, making sure we're, you know, putting kids in a better spot in terms of education and safer areas that at that point, until we fix the culture and then potentially revitalize certain programs, the community has to buy in for caring about their own community. So th there's a, that's a, that's how I would kind of frame that now, because there's no real one trick answer to fix those either broken homes or public education as of right now, but there are still things we can improve upon, which is the point. So it's interesting. So you see, you mentioned the community has to care. And I, and I think there's truth to that. And, and you mentioned before, like, and, and I hear the way you say this, there's a nuance to it. So I don't want it to come up the wrong way, but like the, the no country, worries. people in the country should come first. We should think about Americans first, right? Which is somewhat what you're saying about the community. Like we have to agree as a community. What do you say to the idea, which some people would say is too idealistic or, or too whatever you want to call it. But like, although I understand for lack of a better phrase, like the little L logic of that, of why the community idea is the right idea, because it's, it's, it's heading in the right direction. As long as you're still worried about your community and not the next community, whether that be a country or the next town over or the next city over or whatever, you still have the same problems. You still have tribalism, right? And people are going to define community however they do. And it's that mindset of thinking about the community that allows people, once that's in their mind, to think about, well, then I'll think about my family and then I'll think about myself. And it becomes very like self-serving. And although it seems counterintuitive, the problem is the community or the nationalistic view of it, it really, and this this is like a very meta kind of macro, or sorry, yeah, macro philosophical point, but like, it's only once people start caring about anybody, any community, as much as they care about their own, that we're actually going to get to the solutions you're saying. So like, what do you say to that? The idea that like, may, maybe that does more harm than good. If we get people really focused on their local community, that actually is just going to lead down the same path to where we are now with tribalism and all the issues we've had. So I do think that it's kind of a, not necessarily an issue, but I do see the reasoning behind what you're saying, because at the end of the day, the concern would be that their care and their time and their thought processes will be focused on a very specific area. The only thing I would say about that is that those, those communities, those areas that they're focusing upon, they eventually need to interact with other communities mm -hmm. and they eventually need to re um, think beyond what is currently there because it it's not like it's a certain like you know, obviously when you think about like older areas when there's different tribes those areas were self-sufficient those areas didn't need other areas to be what they are these communities they can if they care and they do all they what they need to do they're still not self-sufficient at the end of the day they still have to worry or at the very least care about the issues going on with the state, about issues going on with the city, with the with the country. Right. So at the end of the day, especially since, you know, America and the world has become more globalized, we're all connected to each other. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of the reason why things are happening the way they are. And once you realize that I can care about my community but me caring about my community won't fix my community. Then you start having the mindset is that, okay, if I need to come up with a solution for my community, the only way I'm going to be able to do that is through conversation and compromise with other communities and the, the state and the country as a whole. So you will never be able to find a solution because it doesn't really work. And nobody's going to care about your problems if you're not listening to anybody else. You won't be able to find the solutions for your community without interacting with the rest of the world. And that's just how it is as of right now. So it only makes sense even from a logical point of view of the people that are, you know, caring about their current community. It only makes sense for you to get along with all the other communities because America at, at the end of the day is all intertwined. All the other things affect the other things. So it would be foolish to think that you can just live in this isolated area and that nobody will bother you that doesn't make sense yeah so so the case you're making and correct me on this i'm just kind of playing it back laying it out is like the case and i think you said this in the beginning too the, the case for people trying to find these better solutions to to do all this work it is somewhat self-serving like it's it's i don't know self-serving is the right word but it's like it's 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 more of a logical like hey this is just more efficient it's more productive for us to do it this way it's not necessarily as you said it's not necessarily like a moralistic virtuous or like um, like 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 religious or spiritual view that it's just the right thing to do. It's it's the best thing to do. It's the most efficient thing to do. 
are you, I asked this, this may sound like a funny question, but I, I asked genuinely, like, are, are we okay with that? Like, do we think that it can work if the, if the underpinnings of what makes it work is that it's efficiency and productivity? Because a lot of people would say that mindset is the toxic mindset that leads to a lot of the problems. The way we actually fix the world is much more of like a, a moralistic or a spiritual thing, which is like, we actually just have to care about people. We want people to care about people because it's the right thing to do. Because again, this starts to sound really like fuzzy and idealistic, but like love is actually the key thing that we should be working towards here, not efficiency. Do you worry about that at all? That what you're proposing is more underpinned by that efficiency productivity piece of it? Um, no, which is why I said earlier that we should have emotion um, as part of it. Because initially... I was all logic, all reason, all the time, because like I said, I'm not inherently an emotional person um, at the end of the day, whether that's whatever you want to quantify that as. But when it comes down to people and how they work, I realized, and based off my experience and my understanding of human nature, is that emotions are probably the forefront of a lot of the things they do. So I always take into account the emotional part and the humanistic part because it's important and you can never take away from that. It's unrealistic that I think a human will become or the human will act out of uh, logic more than reasoning on a large scale. It would be unrealistic to think that way. Um, however, when it comes down to it, you still need to appeal to them some way. So which, this is why I always take into account the emotional aspect of how do we provide a humanistic way in addition to the the logic and reasoning and there is ways to logically kind of lay out your plan and your framework to the people while also considering their emotion sometimes it's harder for certain people than other people i think that i have a good enough experience to really understand emotions without being emotional but that's why you also can have someone in the room that appeals to that innate human nature i think those people inherently if like if we had a perfect society, we would rather have those people anyway, those people who actually care about other people and who love other people and who want the betterment of the people. Those people are better than logical people at the end of the day. Like, that's what I that's what I think. And I understand why they can't run the world is because they care too much. So their their opinions and their consideration of people is valuable because we never want to lose that sense of morality and that sense of understanding and that sense of you know human nature in policies or solutions we create because once we do that then i think that's when we you know become less human as people say and i don't think that is a good thing for people because when it comes down to my personal important aspects of life one important aspect of life is joy and caring them and having people to care about. So when it comes to current society, and this may play a part to, to like how people are losing their meaning is because we're losing that care to a certain extent. And people are going into like mental illness as they try to logically outthink everything. But sometimes it's not that serious. So the, the reason why I point that out is that I think we can create solutions, but I also think we can have a nuanced input of emotional, you know, human, human, humanitarian um, aspects of the solutions in there as well. And whether that's you understanding emotions or you bringing in someone who also cares about people, I think we can do both. I think it's very possible we can do both. Yeah, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I think there's a chance that it is binary that it has to be one or the other. I'm not saying it does. I think more likely you can do both. But as you've kind of been articulating throughout this, that humanistic side of it, that side of just caring for people almost when it's irrational, right? Because that's kind of what we're asking for in some ways, like care about somebody else in a way that your mind tells you doesn't make sense. That's really, really hard. And I think it goes back to where you were before about the youth. Like that's something that you have to start to like, the way you get there is through critical thinking perspectives, like the way you're able to do that. It's why the youth becomes so important and like getting them to, to learn it. And I think that's a big piece of it, not underestimating how hard it is to actually believe, embody and practice that. Um, well, I would actually say yeah. that caring about people is actually not hard at all. Think? I think it's actually very easy to do. You just got to meet the people and talk to the people. And those I think I think of it like this, right? If you had a situation where it's just you and the person you hate, like you absolutely hate this person, you put them on an island, 
I mean, one of two things could happen where you hate them so much you kill each other. But more than likely, you're going to work together to survive. And then eventually, even though you hate this person, you're going to start caring about this person. You're going to start caring about their life. I think humans, I mean, humans are social creatures at the end of the day. So it only makes sense that they are wanting to care about other people. They obviously create things in their own mind to hate the other person. And that could be good or wrong based off your own personal perspective. But the reason why I say it's easy is because you just have to get out there. You don't have to overthink it. You just have to listen. And if you can't listen, I mean, I can't, I can't help you there. I guess it depends on how we define caring, right? Because I don't, if, if caring is like in a very literal sense, like I, I, I care or it matters to me what happens to that person, but it's still rooted in, to use the Desert Island example, it's towards my betterment. I, I, that's a different type of caring, I think, than a caring which says, even if that person doesn't bring any benefit to me at all, even if it actually might cause me some harm to care about that person, I still do. That's where I think it's hard to do that form of. Oh caring. yeah, that would be. And I think that that's the might type be of against human nature, to be honest. That's what it's I think. And going against self-preservation, right? And I think a lot of the political things that you're talking about are a representation or a manifestation of that issue. That it's really hard to care about other people against their own self-preservation. Now, I think you could make. And you have made a logical argument where you could say, actually, it might be in your best interest, but it doesn't feel natural in our mind. It feels like if I let those immigrants in, maybe they're dangerous and they and they harm my family or me, or maybe they take our jobs, or maybe there's not enough resources for all of us. And it's like, yeah, I care about that person in theory because it's a person and I don't want them to suffer. But if it's between me and them, I don't want them in the country. Like to actually care and say, you know what, maybe my life is going to be worse off but there's these people that are suffering like actual people with their kids. So like, yeah, let them in and, and I'll be worse off, but, and they're like, we'll, we'll balance it out somewhat. That's a really hard thing to do. And there's some people that would say typically conservatives, and I'm not saying they're wrong. Like that's not the real world. That sounds nice, but that's not the world we live in. Unfortunately it is us or them. And I'm going to pick us because that's just, you know, how I have to function. And that's why I think philosophy and all this gets so important into it because as I said, as you follow the thread on any of these topics, I think you're going to get to a similar place of like those same human nature, self-preservation, you know, meaning of life questions that are at the root of how we decide we play it forward. And I think resolving those is super hard. So let me ask you this, last question. In, in the spirit of that, let me 180 it on you. If this is as hard as we're saying it is, right? There's solutions, but it's hard. And you've used this word throughout the conversation, which I think is a really interesting word, incentivize, right? You're trying to incentivize and get people to buy into this because you believe it's the better way to be. And I think that's a beautiful approach. What about the idea, like conceptually, let's stop incentivizing. Would we be better off if we could mandate? If we could say, we're going to put somebody in charge who has complete control. Let's say we put you in charge, just to say as an example, right? And you believe this is the right approach and people aren't going to like it but they got to take their medicine because we know it's better for them. Is that a better approach? Like, or would we be willing to go that far to say, we know this is going to fix the issues of society. So let's just force it on people to have to do it. Um, No, I don't, I never think mandating or forcing people to do things will ever work Um, because, you know, absolute power cr corrupts. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's how it works at the end of the day. I can't really, even if the first person was able to create the efficient like way of doing things, the second person will corrupt the power and then use it very inappropriately and then destroy the entire country. Um, so I can never say that abs mandating that is the most important way to think. Everyone has to buy in. That's just the best solution and the best case, case scenario because – if everybody buys in, then you won't have to worry about that. And then they can obviously push that to generations down the line. And we can see I, this throughout. What, what if that's not a realistic option, though? I'm not saying it isn't, but let's say in this hypothetical, right. getting everybody to buy in isn't realistic. Is the next best option to mandate it? Or is the next best option to still just try and get as many people as you can? If you can't make uh, get everybody to buy into the concept, you have to. And just so I understand the question, so I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, answering a, a like trying to skip through the question. Am I saying nobody buys in? Is that the no. like, like nobody the world we live in, in today is the world we have? Some people get it, like seemingly like you do, that are like, hey, this is the right approach, but we can't get it at scale. We can't get everybody to buy in to actually implement the things you're suggesting or the concepts you're suggesting. Um, so we're kind of left with the world we have today. Would we be okay. better mandating it then? Um, no, I still don't think we should mandate anything. Um, 
because I just don't think it has ever proven to be having a uh that much power as a as a ultimate government or whatever has it ever proven to be beneficial for society as a whole so i just don't believe in that but what you could do is you can illustrate it and what i mean by that is that if you just can't get it to scale to the point where people are able to buy in what you can do is focus on your community and focus it on a very very local level what this will provide is obviously a framework because sometimes people can't buy in with all these nice words, all these conversations, they won't buy in. So you're going to have to show people. People obviously learn very well through actions. So you have to show a system, a organization, maybe even implement it to a community level, expand it to a city level, expand it to a state level. And maybe you can do it in a way where it's like, Okay, my community buys in, and now I want to kind of go through the democratic process if we're talking about America. I want to incentivize the approach that we should potentially, and this could help, create a third party that is able to hit that medium of you know bipartisan issues, implement them into the system. Let's vote them in. Let's get them into mayor. Let's get them into certain uh, places. And then continue. It's like, okay, we're coming up with solutions. We're, we're, you know, not focused on left and right as much. You know, you can have your opinion. You can have your opinion. But we're actually like moving forward as a, as a community. You do that to a city level. Maybe we can uh, even grow even more. We, especially if the maybe a union or an organization is created to kind of uh, push these things more efficiently. And then you get politicians potentially voted into the state. Maybe it's a senator per district, or maybe we can get those senators in these districts to Congress. So at that point, when words can't help, when the message can't help, you have to put things into action, especially if you truly believe that this is the best way to approach issues going on to the state and or in the country as a whole. And once you put these into action, I mean, if it doesn't work, then you're wrong, obviously. But if it does work, maybe you can start incentivizing people that, hey, maybe we should change things up. So that's how that probably I would go about it. I hope it's true. I hope it's true, man. I hope I hope that approach can work and does work because I, I'll say I I agree the current state that we're in. And, and I don't know that it's necessarily new or worse. Like, I think we've had a tough time throughout human history, frankly, and this is just the current version of it. But it leaves a lot of room for skepticism and cynicism. And I hope what you're saying is right. I think the approach to the youth makes a lot of sense to me. I, I, what I've learned in doing this show is, and it might be a me problem. Maybe I'm actually the problem in this. But like the more I learn, the more I see, the more skepticism I have. Not because I don't think we can do it. I just think it's it's so, it, it almost feels like an impossible task. And I just don't know that we as humans are capable mentally, emotionally, as you said, to actually figure this out, even when it starts to work, as you said, then new people come in and corrupt, start corrupting it. And I still walk away with kind of this cynical view, but I'll tell you, like, I agree with you with the idea of like, we have to try, we have to try. And that's why I appreciate so much what you're doing, the discourse you're trying to bring about with your show and kind of what you're driving towards. I think it's awesome. I hope people check it out. I hope people listen to it and uh, I hope you keep doing what you're doing. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on the, on the show, of course. And I think, you know, it is definitely tough to do. Uh, these conversations can be very, you know, strenuous or very, um, you know, logically exhausting for certain people, which is very fair. Sometimes these conversations are very deep, very mm -hmm. controversial for a reason. Um, at that point, I, th I do think people need to realize is that, again, you're only human. So you can appeal to two things. You can appeal to joy, which is probably the best thing to appeal to, because I'm sure you have things that you can relate to the other person people like sports people like movies people like anime people like games people like a lot of different things you can always appeal and realize okay even though i'm talking to them they're not getting it once they connect with you and realize okay this is a good person how is i like the uh new york giants he likes the new york giants like he's probably not that bad of a person. that bad <laughs> so right so at that point, people need to realize is that you don't have to convince them constantly through words and political rhetoric because that gets exhausting. Most people don't even want to hear that. Mm -hmm. That's why you got to be a person. You got to be realistic. You got to connect to them as an individual, whether that's, you know, some joyful hobby that you both enjoy or some trial that you both went through or some, you know, thing that you both hate. There's mm -hmm. always a way to appeal to people at the end of the day. And that is, you know, another important aspect of, you know, these conversations. 
But overall, I do think it's a very tough thing to do. Um, and I'm going to keep on doing it because, like I said, I also enjoy these conversations. And I think it is a solution that could be very uh impactful for society as a whole so if i believe something obviously i'm going to go for it like a lot of people do so uh i think this was a great conversation overall though no well said man i think it's a beautiful way to end it and um i think uh, the optimism you have and, and the drive you have gives me some optimism so that's that's a good thing right there that's already a, an impact that comes from this so i appreciate you man i hope you have an awesome rest of your day you as well you as well thanks Hey, thanks a ton for listening to the episode. Um, I really do appreciate everybody that listens. And I think it's super cool that people want to hear conversations like this. They want to hear us talk about values and different perspectives and really just philosophical thinking. Um, I'm kind of on this mission or journey to bring philosophy back to the forefront, maybe even make philosophy cool again, because I just think there's so much value in thinking about our thinking, questioning and challenging ourselves more, pondering these big picture questions about life. Um, So in that spirit, I'm trying to expand that mission a little bit, and I created a Patreon account um, that would be awesome if you check out. I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, It's pretty simple, though. It's patreon.com slash what's the value. And the idea is for people that maybe want to learn more about philosophy, dip their tone out a little bit, or maybe you already love it and just want to get more of it, um, check it out because there's kind of a tier for everybody, whether you just want to get like a quick philosophical video or a thought of the day, um, maybe you want to email or text me some questions and get some thoughtful philosophical responses, or if you want to have a live one-on-one chat over Zoom. Um, We're even doing group discussions where we kind of do group philosophical debates and discussions and ponder some of those big questions. So check it out, see if it's something you might be interested in. Uh, As I said, I just love to bring more philosophy into our lives. And I thought this might be a cool way to do it. Um, Whether that's your thing or not, and you're into Patreon or not, I really do appreciate a ton that you listen and check out these episodes. So I appreciate it greatly. And I hope you have an awesome day.